Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and we're starting out our new series called Rooted, where we're discussing what it means to be rooted in prayer. Enjoy this message from Alex Carney. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Y'all, we're so excited. This is a fantastic week to put something on your radar. Come February, the very first week, we're jumping right back into small groups. So if you got to be a part of that last semester, y'all know, if you got to be a part of that last semester, then you know how incredible a place it is to find community, to grow in your faith. That is one of the best things you get to be a part of here at C12. So keep an eye out for that. You'll hear way more about it in these coming weeks. So you won't miss if you keep coming here on Thursdays. And then the third thing, y'all, we're so excited. We're starting a new series tonight. It's called Rooted. Rooted like, what does it look like to be rooted in prayer, to be rooted in God's presence, to abide with him? What does a life like that look like? So we're going to jump in. Pastor Alex is going to be bringing the message tonight. He's going to go ahead and come up. As they're doing that, in an awkward sitting fashion, y'all find somebody you've never met before, greet them, tell them hi, tell them your name, and then tell them go dogs. Maybe go dogs baby. You can't say go dogs without the baby at the end, you know? I mean, come on, we need a lot more energy in this room if we know that UGA won the national championship. <clears throat> hey, it's, it's a great time to be a Georgia fan. The Braves won the World Series this year. We got last year. What am I talking about? Uh, we had the Georgia win the national championship. We got, uh, we got Falcons. <laughs> Man, we got any Falcons fans in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like a quiet cheer. Like, should I be embarrassed? Should I start rooting for it? You know, whoever. I'm from Wisconsin. We scrimmage ourselves and still lose, so it's totally fine. Uh, I'm more excited to kick off this series <laughs> on being rooted. And uh, the whole point of this series uh, is of what it means to be rooted in prayer and rooted in God's presence. And I think there's no better way than to kick off 2022 of, of figuring out, hey, what does it mean to be rooted in prayer and rooted in God's presence? And we kicked off last week with the night of worship. Uh, how many were at that night of worship last week? <clears throat> Man, it was so, so powerful, uh, so cool what God's doing and already starting to do into 2022. So many cool stories that have come out of those uh, even prayer stations and people coming and asking God for more. Uh, and I believe that's where it starts. Uh, it, it begins with abiding. We talked about that last week. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going over what it means to be rooted in prayer. And so tonight, we're going to be going over abiding prayer and then next week, we're going to have uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, if you don't know him, his name is Chris Morgan. Uh, and uh, if you do know him, you are clapping. Uh, because everything that I've learned about prayer and how I practice prayer is from this guy. And, and if you don't know him, he leads uh, a, a prayer ministry, if you want to call it that. He does prayer on Saturday mornings, leads, uh, leads that out. And what does it mean for our church to become rooted in prayer and to make not what we do the greater work, but to make prayer the greater work? And I think Jesus embodied that. And so next week, he's going to be coming, uh, bringing a word about asking prayer. What does it mean to come to God and ask things uh, in prayer? And tonight, 
we're going over uh, abiding prayer. And so the first half of this, we're going to spend some time maybe deconstructing uh, some misconceptions that we have about prayer. And I'm going to give you some time to think about it, uh, but there are some misconceptions that we have formed along the way. So the first half is teaching. We're just going to have a, kind of a room dialogue. We're going to throw up some things, uh, and I'll write them down. Uh, we'll go over misconceptions that we maybe have heard about prayer or that we choose to believe about prayer. And, uh, and here's the thing about misconceptions. Misconceptions uh, uh, are, are often true because sometimes we feel like, well, that's actually more of what I experienced than what I know to actually be true. And so we start to believe misconceptions and we think they're a part of our reality because we often drift towards those more than what's actually biblically true in our world. And we also know misconceptions because most of us, you know, either A, used to believe them or we, to some degree, still currently believe them. And so uh, I just wanted to have the first half, maybe your news is your, your first night being here. <clears throat> it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to spend, like I said, the first half in more of a room dialogue. And so we're just going to throw up misconceptions on here. We had a couple people that wanted to, uh, uh, <coughs> sorry, a couple volunteers that already had some already. But uh, if you have a misconception, go ahead, raise your hand. Uh, I'll call on you, use your outdoor voice. But let's start throwing out misconceptions that you have about prayer. What's, what's a misconception that you have about prayer? Yep. It has to be long or eloquent. We got any English majors in the room? No, it's about eloquent. <laughs> okay. I got it, right? <laughs> I didn't get your approval. Okay. Uh, <laughs> next one. What, what's another misconception about prayer? Yeah, right here. It has to be organized. Okay, what's another one? Anybody in the room? Anyone can throw out a misconception. Yep. So specific spot, specific place. What are other ones? Other misconceptions. Yep. Had to bow your head and close your eyes. Okay, let's throw out some more. Let's keep going. Other misconceptions that we have in prayer. One-sided. Uh-oh, that struck the room. <laughs> I underline that. We're going to talk about that one. DJ, you had your hand up? Ooh, if God knows everything, why do you have to ask? If God knows, dot, 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 ask. I'm not writing out the whole sentence. <laughs> I'm going to say like this. Just finish the sentence already. What's another misconception? Yep. A wish list. Okay, let's do a couple more. Yep, right back there. You have to be careful for what you pray for. Mm. You have to be careful for what you pray for. If you think that I passed English in high school, I barely did, based off how I write. <clears throat> let's throw out maybe one more. One more misconception about prayer. Yep, Kendall. You can only pray for other people, not yourself. Mm. Well, let's start with this. I think that there's an underlying belief or maybe an underlying misconception about prayer that drives all the other misconceptions about prayer. 
See, I think that there's a misconception that prayer is more for the spiritual gurus or seasoned veterans, or that maybe prayer is only for the pastor. Have you ever just been around someone who prays and you're like, gosh, I kind of (laughs) suck. Like, you know their prayer life, you know how they pray, and then you're like, man, I'm kind of, I'm horrible at prayer. I don't know how to pray. And this happened when I was uh, in college, required to be at chapel. And we uh, had a time uh, every single week where we had, we had to go twice a week. And in that time, it's similar to nights like tonight. There's worship and there's a teaching. And, and so, uh, you know, in the morning, it's really hard to kind of get up and engage in worship. But uh, there was one morning where I wasn't really paying attention. And the worship leader did one of those things where they kind of step up to the mic and then they back away. So you don't know if they're about to enter the, you know, what's it called? The bridge, the chorus, the... Okay, <laughs> clearly I'm gifted in worship, so I obviously know what I'm talking about. And uh, I went up to try and, and start singing, and, and, and he, he backed away. So I thought we were about to go into the next chorus, bridge, whatever you want to call it. And I ended up just start screaming. Like, I belted it out, and nobody else did. And so it's the awkward moment where you're like, you know, you start screaming out the next line of worship, and nobody else ever said anything. You probably like, you felt that before you probably happened that like that happened to you before. And I remember I like had to somehow like turn it into a prayer. So people didn't think I was weird. And I was like, Oh God, in Jesus name, God, I thank you for today. <laughs> thank you for what you're doing in this chapel. Uh, and I like sat down. I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm going to sit on the bench while all the people worship and God, you, you let them do it. And there, there, there's just going to be other people that are more gifted in worship than I am. There's going to be more, other, more better people that are gifted to lead, so they're going to sing better than I will. They're going to maybe play guitar better than I will. They're going to play keys better than I will. There's going to be people that are just, they're going to be more gifted at it. But just because they were more skill set inclined or more musically gifted, it didn't mean that it took away my right and opportunity to worship. It didn't matter how I sound. It didn't matter... What, what came out of my mouth. What matters is that you have a heart to worship God. And I think it's the same in prayer. We think that there's other people, well, they just pray better than I do. They, they, they just, they sound more uh, put together. They sound more confident. It sounds more deeper. It sounds, it sounds more eloquent. Listen, just because a prayer sounds more eloquent doesn't make it righteous. Just because it sounds really put together doesn't mean that it's somehow really spiritually deep. And I love what Jesus talks about this, about prayer. And he was pretty blunt about it. He said, don't pray like the pagans do. Don't be like those hypocrites, his words. He was pretty candid about prayer. He said, don't go on babbling like they do. But when you pray, go to your inner room, that's when we talk about either a prayer closet, the prayer chamber, your quiet time with the Lord, that's what it is. Go to your inner room and go to your father who is unseen because he is unseen. When you pray to him, he will reward you. So it didn't matter about praying out loud or praying in public or, or trying to sound really, really great. What mattered is that you'd open up your heart to God and everybody has the same access to God. It's because of Jesus and what he did on the cross that we all have the same access to God. No one is bigger or better in prayer. God invites us into a relationship, which is what prayer is. It's all about relationship. 
So it doesn't need to be uh, organized. It doesn't need to be a specific spot in place. We choose to have intimacy over structure. So if you have a relationship, and, and right now, whether it's in, you have friends, you have a dating relationship, it's, it's maybe you're engaged in this room, maybe you're married in this room. We know that if you have maybe a set date night or you hang out with your friends, it's not always the same. It's not always the same time, the same place, the same thing. If it was, that would get kind of boring. Because the value isn't in the structure that you build towards. The value is in the intimacy that you cultivate. It's all about going deeper with God. A structure is just a pathway for you to connect with God and to develop a more intimate relationship with Jesus. If God knows, who's who's mentioned this one? DJ? If God knows, why ask? It's a great misconception. If God knows, like, why, why, do I have to, why do I have to ask it? If God already knows, why even bring it up to him? Why even bring your request to God? Why even ask him? If you already know it and you're a good and loving God, why don't you just do the things that you're supposed to do? So I used to bring that all the time. Have you ever had it in high school or middle school where your parents, uh, you know, they, they, they knew that you were in trouble and then they asked you a question to see what your response would be and they already know the answer, but they're just wanting to know what you would say. Anybody ever been in that boat in your life ever? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> I feel so much better about myself. <laughs> Still having therapy. I'm just kidding. Uh, we, when I was in high school, uh, I uh, ended up, as you know, based off my writing skills, uh, I was failing English in, in my senior year of high school. And uh, the, the, the philosophy of uh, my English teacher at the time was like, well, if you just hand everything at the, at the end of the semester, you'll pass. And I said, oh, okay. So as every other high school boy in the world, uh, of course I'm not going to work today. I'm going to hand it in at the end of the semester, and I'm just going to get an A. Well, on your report card that you get sent home, which tells that your son or your daughter is failing and they're at risk of not graduating high school, becomes a little bit of a problem. So me, trying to be sneaky and mischievous, I tried to drive home and like intercept it. So I was like looking in the mailbox. I'm like, it's not there. All right, we're good to go. And then I come back the next day, and my mom already has it. <laughs> and uh, she writes on the report card. Uh, she, can, she like highlighted where I had an F. I'm like, thank you. I'm aware. Uh, and she also uh, wrote on there, uh, we're going to talk when I get home. It's in all caps. There's exclamation points. She wrote it in a red pen, so I knew she was mad. Uh, it's always more aggressive when it's a red pen. You're like, ah, why'd you, why'd you have to write F in a red pen? Write it in blue. It's better. Uh, and, and I knew, I was like in fear. And I was like, I already know what this conversation is going to be. I already know why you're mad. I already know that I'm failing. Like, what's the point of this conversation? Like, there's no, there, there, like, you already know that I'm not, that I'm failing this class. Like, we're going to talk about things and reasons why the conversation's not going to go anywhere. And, and I just had this view about that. And I think we adopt the same view in prayer. We just say, well, what's the point of the conversation? (laughs) Sometimes it's not about that God needs to hear it. Sometimes it's about that God just wants you to say it. God wants you to cultivate a relationship with him. God wants an intimate relationship with you. I put this this verse in because I figured that we would go over it. And this is in the the book of Hosea, 
you haven't read the book of Hosea, it's a really great picture of God's unconditional love for you. Because I think sometimes we view prayer as a pretty cynical waste of time if we feel like, well, God already knows, so then why even ask anything? And I had a pretty cynical view because I, I treated prayer as more like transactions. Like, I, I just, God, I'm going to come to you, so I, I, want, like, I want these things in my life. I want this to be true. I want this to change about my reality. I want this to be different. See, I wanted God's benefits. God wanted my heart. And that's true for you. God doesn't necessarily just want to give things to you. He wants to develop a relationship with you. In the book of Hosea, I love, I love this. <clears throat> In chapter 2, you can turn there if you want. You can see this story unfold. If you've got a Bible, you can pull it out. It said in, in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 16, it says, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. So what's happening in this story? What's the context? Well, it's all about the heart. See, it's a relationship with God at a heart level. It's all about love, trust, affection, developing that over time. And in that passage, you can see that Hosea, it was a command of God. He was a prophet who got called to marry a prostitute named Gomer. And Gomer runs away and goes back to her prostitution. And she does this again and again. And Hosea ends up buying her back. See, when we look at this passage, when you, when you see the narrative of this, you can see, oh, well, maybe we're just called to go love those that are unlovable. Maybe it was uh, Hosea's obligation to just go chase down someone who, who is sinful. And I don't think it was about necessarily the particular sin. See, I think a lot of us relate to Gomer and the fact that there's a brokenness in us that causes us to run away from God all the time. We all have an innate brokenness in us that actually drives us away to God to go find other things. And I love how it goes on in this because she gets to a spot where she says I might as well return to my husband because I was better off with him than I am now how kind <laughs> see she's married and then she goes on to chase other lovers well these other lovers now end up leaving her alone so that's why she says well I might as well as return to my husband because I was better off with him than I am now you know what's in that statement? There's surrender in that statement. There's obedience in that statement. There's trust in that statement. There's dependence in that statement. But you know what's not in that statement? Love. And that's what God wanted. God had to get Gomer to a place where you stop trading things. And I think God does that to us. He gets you to a spot along your, along your life and in your prayer journey that God, and maybe is just refining you. Maybe you view prayer more as like, I just feel like every time I pray, it's just clunky, it's awkward, I feel like I'm wrestling. Maybe that's the point. Because instead of coming to God and just trying to take transactions out all the time and just, God, I want to withdraw, 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 maybe God wants to get you to a place where, hey, you stop trading things, open up your heart, and I want to deposit things in you. We have to get to a spot where we open up our heart to God. Oh, I got I to gotta keep going to the second half. Um, 
we didn't plan for this uh, trip. If you want, <clears throat> I'm not gonna have time to cover every single thing. However, uh, trip, could you throw out my email address on the screen? And um, if if you want more information about what does it mean to cultivate a life of prayer, what does it mean to maybe uh, hash out more of these misconceptions? What does it mean to craft your time with the Lord? What does it mean to be rooted in prayer? Uh, I can throw out my email on the screen. It's alex.carney at 12stone.com. Uh, fun fact, when I was back home in Wisconsin, uh, I was actually on the phone ordering something, and the guy didn't know how to spell Alex. Uh, and he said, how, how do you spell that? And I was like, I, what? <laughs> uh, and he put A-R-E-X. And I was like, Alex. <laughs> okay. Um, sure. Uh, I should have done that going in. <laughs> You're for the pizza. Um, but I want to throw my email, up on the, uh, email address up on the screen, and here's, here, here's the reason why. If you want an environment outside of just this teaching, again, we can't unpack everything there is to, about prayer because there's so much in depth to it. But if there's enough people that, hey, you would just email me and say, hey, I want more information on prayer. I want to have, uh, I want more content on this. I want more things. If we get enough people, uh, we will do another breakout session where we just unpack this. It'll be outside of a Thursday, but we'll do it in a different environment and we'll go over, hey, what does it look like to craft your time with the Lord? What does it look like to, to hear, God, hear God's voice in that? Uh, what are things that you have practiced? What are things that you have done? Uh, and the reason why, I think, because there's so much power in prayer and there's so much importance to be rooted in. It's the reason why the disciples never asked Jesus and said, oh, well, teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to uh, cast out a demon. Teach us how to do this. No, no, no. He never, they never said that. What they told Jesus was said, teach us how to pray. If they asked that about Jesus, they saw something that he knew and that he practiced. And I think that we all can have an opportunity to learn what Jesus knew and how we can practice it. Because it'll, it'll rock your world. It'll change your life. God wants to have a relationship with you. I believe he wants to change your life. So feel free. If you want to email uh, me and that, you want more on that, and that's great. Uh, but let's jump in. Uh, to more of the second half of this. <clears throat> and I want to go over uh, maybe reconstructing more of a biblical narrative of prayer, more of a, a biblical perspective uh, of it. And this is kind of a, if you want, if you're taking notes, you can draw this uh, out on your notebook, or if you got a phone, you want to type this in somehow, you can do that too. Uh, but I leave, there's uh, kind of like a spiritual uh, prayer thought, maybe a spiritual one-on-one uh, prayer thought when it comes to this. But I'm right out, this is the kingdom, this is the church, and then community. And I think the, the baseline thought and we've talked about this before at C12, is that God has to do more in you before God does more through you. See, the kingdom of God, this is when, when you come together in God's presence, the kingdom wants to dwell in you. When you read throughout the gospels, you get to see Jesus, and wherever Jesus was, there the kingdom was. Why? Because the kingdom so resides in Jesus. And when we have a relationship with Jesus, we have that same opportunity to open ourselves up to have the kingdom so dwell in us that wherever we go, the kingdom of God is. And what it means to have the maybe purpose in prayer or reconstructing things in prayer, it's to adapt a mentality of abiding prayer, which is to be rooted in God's presence. 
this unleashes the kingdom of God in you. Abiding prayer is all about in you. When Simo comes next week, he's going to talk about asking prayer, which is about through you. God has to do things in your life before God can do things through your life. Oftentimes, we bring out requests to God that we haven't done in ourselves yet. And I think we want to be a generation, and more importantly, I think that we want to be a ministry that makes an impact. Don't you? Don't you want to be a ministry that makes an impact? That makes an impact in other people's lives, an impact on your school's campus, an impact to other college students and young adults, an impact to other people. See, I think that we want to make an, we want to make an impact. We want to go make a difference in our community. And I think sometimes we're way too quick to grab a microphone and try to have an influence in culture when I think God wants to take us, give us a shovel and for us to go deeper with him. We have to be deeper here before we can make a bigger impact here. If we get this wrong, this never happens. That's where it starts. God doing things in you. You have to become the work of God before you do the work of God. Abiding prayer is how you become the work of God. This is where God begins to do things in your life. So number one, The purpose of abiding prayer is to develop a relationship. We talked about that. The purpose of abiding prayer is to develop a relationship. It's all about a relationship with God. It's being in his presence. God wants to know you. And abiding prayer is drawing near to God in a way that he draws near to you. What does it say in James 4.8? It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, if we draw near to God, God draws near to us. And maybe you're in this room, you're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't really follow Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I never give my life to Jesus. See, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if, if you're in that spot, we really believe as, as followers of Jesus that it's God, the, God is the one that first initiated that. And if you're in this room, you can have a testimony. Hey, this is what God's done in my life. This is how God has saved me. It's because the Holy Spirit had an interaction with you. He, he reached out to you. God himself initiated that relationship. But you see, for Christians, it's the opposite. And you see that in James 4, 8. That's what he's talking to. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Because we as Christians, we're the ones that need to draw near to God. See, the heart of God is that he wants to be chased by his children. But I think that at times, if we're honest, we just like to be chased by God. Like, I'm going to drift. I'm going to run away. I hope God catches me again. I think there's a challenge in this that to some degree, I think God wants us to spiritually grow up and begin to chase him. We're not waiting for God to draw near to us. God is waiting for you to draw near to him. And if you're saying, well, I just wish God would just show up in my life in bigger ways. I wish that God would just do this in my life. (laughs) You're not waiting for God. God's waiting for you. It's in you, then through you. The second thing, the goal of abiding prayer is nearness to God. The goal of abiding prayer is nearness to God. See, when I was uh, in college, still figuring this out, 
I was a pretty young in my faith. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I never went to this ministry school to become a pastor. I only went to this school just because I, I wanted to know God more and I wanted to develop a better relationship with him. Uh, and I just want to make a difference in, in the world. I didn't know what that was. I don't know what that looked like. Uh, <clears throat> and the first time that I had spent time in prayer, I uh, went to this prayer room that they had. I opened up the Bible and I fell asleep. <laughs> it was very impactful. <laughs> Uh, I opened up the Bible. Next thing I know, I like, I like woke up and I was like, wow, uh, very successful time with the Lord. Uh, I guess I'll try it again next week. <laughs> and, and I, I just had, I, I came to God and, and I didn't know what I was doing in prayer because I didn't really know what the goal of prayer was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. See, prayer was just a thing throughout growing up. You just kind of adopted it. And, and I grew up in a family who my parents were believers. And, and after uh, every, or before every meal, we would uh, say our, our uh, uh, family dinner prayers. And I would say, God is great. God is good. Uh, let us thank him for our food. By our hands, we're all are fed. Thank him for our daily bread. Anybody ever pray that with your parents? No. Okay, just me. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a cult, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I was a weird kid, uh, but we, I, I grew up with that understanding that well, a prayer, a prayer is just a bunch of uh, rehearsed lines or things that I have to say, and, and maybe I'll just pl like play Hail Mary and throw it up to God and, and hope that it maybe works, uh, and it's because I never knew what the goal of prayer was. I never knew that the purpose was to actually have a relationship with him. I never knew that the goal was actually to be near to God. <laughs> That's the point in prayer. It's just to be near him. It's, it's, the, it's the relationship with him. It's his presence. And I think that there is a hidden temptation to avoid the presence of God. It's one of the, I think, actually easiest things to do is to avoid God's presence. We find reasons why I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I don't have, I don't have time in the world to do this. I have too much homework my job is asking way too much. I'm working extra hours. I can't find time in my day. And I think along the lines, we avoid the presence of God because I think there's a pride in us of self-reliance that actually keeps us from him. You know, we might have said, oh, because of my hard work, I got the job that I have now. Like, I worked for that. I did that. I provided for myself. I set myself well up financially. I'm the one that worked hard at this. It's because of my effort that I have the degree that I have now. So I for sure deserve the title because I worked for this. It's because of my sacrifice that I have a job now that pays money. This is the reason why I am now in a good spot financially. It's because of what I have done. And when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, in our pride, we respond, actually, I can do a lot of things without you. I can do a lot of things without God. And sure, you might. There might be things that you can do without God. But I don't think that there's things that you can do that have an eternal impact without God. You know, I think Eugene Peterson said this really, really well. If you don't know uh, who that is, he also had a part in, in uh, coming with that translation, the message, uh, <clears throat> interpretation of the Bible, which maybe some of you read. Uh, he's written a lot of books, uh, a really profound Christian author, and he writes this in the, under, uh, the book called Under the, under, under the Unpredictable Plant 
Um, and he goes over the experience of God, the, the ecstasy, the wholeness of it is accompanied by temptation to reproduce the experience as God. I'll say that again. Maybe you had a hard time wrapping your mind around it as I did the first time. The experience of God, the ecstasy, the wholeness of it is accompanied by a temptation to reproduce the experience as God. Maybe we just struggle with abiding in prayer because we struggle with the humility to keep on coming to prayer. Like, I just struggle to admit that, you know what, God, I need you. And when we all get to engage in prayer, there's no, there's no uh, Christians in, the, in, in terms of the prayer world. There's no one that is a first world Christian when it comes to prayer. We're all third world. We all desperately need the rescuing hand of Jesus in our life. We all desperately need God to move in us. And I think we have to ask a question. Maybe it's one that's worth writing down. You can reflect on it later. But I think there are seasons in our life where we have to ask, why am I not more desperate? Why am I not more desperate for God? And I think an answer is because we sit in the self-deceptive pride of self-reliance. We think that we can do it on our own. Oh, I'll do it without you, God. I don't need you. I've gotten this far without you, therefore I don't need you moving forward. But the goal and the purpose is to have a relationship with him that is supposed to be nearness to Christ. Nearness to God always becomes likeness to Christ. Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. This is not something that's optional. This is not something that is just maybe sometimes. No, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And if you're not more like Christ, I don't think that you're any nearer to God. I think in what's true in our generation is that sometimes it can be a little deceptive. Whether I had a real encounter with God or did I have a maybe spiritual encounter filled with emotions with myself? What's the driving motivating factor for why you love worship nights? Is it because it gives me a rush of emotions and I can't wait for the way it makes me feel? Or is it because I just want more of God and who he is? What's the driving motivating factor for when you go to passion? Is it because I, I want this spiritual high and I can't wait for how this makes me feel? Or is it because I want God to do more in my life that it would transform the things around me? What's the driving motivating factor for why you want to serve or make an impact or go on mission trips? Is it because we want God and, and make it to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting better or to feel like I'm, I'm more happy? Or is it because, no, God, you've called me to serve others. You've called me to live outward with no inward agenda. And too often, I think in our day and age, we mistake emotional highs with spiritual experiences. Because if you have an encounter with God and if you're not in some way more like Christ, <laughs> maybe perhaps in every way like Jesus, then I might go as hard to say, I don't think that you had an encounter with God. You probably just had an encounter with your emotions. 
Because nearness to God only becomes likeness to Christ. And not only does it just produce it sometimes, it's always. Nearness always produces likeness. Nearness only produces likeness. And I think if we're trying to pursue an intimate relationship with God without developing a relationship with him, without the path that he's created for us to engage in that, I think it's exactly what Jesus talked about and how he rebuked the Pharisees. It's just legalism. It's just a bunch of set rules. It's just a bunch of structure. It's just a bunch of things that we created and we made up. It's not just through spiritual disciplines that you have more nearness to God. That's just a way that you get there. It's not just through more knowledge or more church or more study or more small groups. See, proximity with the church doesn't mean intimacy with Jesus. Just because you're around more doesn't mean that it makes you more like him. What makes you more like him is because of what he's doing in your life. And I think for some of us, we've had uh, maybe a, a rough go when it comes to prayer. I feel like there's people in this room who maybe <clears throat> you've had a hard time in prayer. Either A, you don't know how to cultivate it. You don't know what it looks like. You don't know how to do it. You don't know maybe what, what do I do with it now or, or, or what does this look like for me? Maybe when it comes to prayer, you just it, it's been a long journey for you. Maybe over 2021, uh, maybe your prayer life is not where you wanted it to be. Maybe it's not what you had hoped it to be. Maybe there are things that, man, this is just a struggle. This was a grind. How many of you have ever been there that you feel like, man, prayer is just a struggle for me? My alone time with God, my, uh, the things that I'm trying to create, the things that I'm asking for, how many in this room have ever prayed a prayer and you don't feel like it got answered? Go ahead and raise your hand nice and high. <laughs> you, you felt like it did, like God didn't answer it. I wanted to hit on this because I, I believe that there's things that God does in us when we don't feel like God has answered prayer. Because maybe we get to spots where you're like, well, then apparently I didn't pray hard enough. Apparently I didn't pray enough. Maybe because if God didn't do it, then maybe I don't have enough faith. And I think when it comes to prayer, we have our current reality, the things that we're currently praying for, the things that we're currently in. This is our current reality. This is where I am. These are my frustrations. Maybe you have prayers that are pending, things that you've been asking God for years, things that you keep on asking for, people that you're praying healing over and that hasn't happened yet, people that you're praying to come to know Jesus and you haven't seen it done yet, things that you want God to do in you but you just haven't seen it come to pass yet. And then there's the experience of God. This is what's true. This is the word of God. When you maybe read through, the, <laughs> read through the Psalms and you get a better picture of God's word, this is the, uh, the character of God. This is what you know to be true. But when you're at kind of the bottom of this mountain and you're, and you're currently frustrated and like, God's not doing this. God's not answering this. God's not doing what I want him to do. Then we have this huge gap between what we feel and what we know. And I think when you keep bringing your current reality to God, this is how you process your emotions. 
Maybe it's your own anger at God. God, that didn't work out how I wanted it to, and I'm so mad at you. God, I thought you would have done this by now, but you haven't, so what do I do now? God, I thought that you would bring this, and, and, and God, have this come to pass, but I don't see it, so what am I supposed to do? So you bring all your anger, all your fear, all of your insecurities, all your anxiousness, you bring that to God, and I think oftentimes God takes us on a journey. This could be days, this could be months, this could be years where you keep on asking and God forms things in you that pertain to spiritual grit. God does things in you that I think that he wants to do. And I love the story of the Canaanite woman. She comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, would you have mercy, have mercy on me for my daughter is demon possessed and I'm suffering terribly. Now, maybe you don't resonate with that because like I've never had a daughter who's demon possessed. Uh, if you do, let's chat after service. Uh, but maybe you are suffering terribly. And you're not like, this, this is something that I'm suffering terribly over. And we all have them. We all have something that we're praying for and we're asking God for, and we haven't seen him do it yet, or we're frustrated, and maybe it's not the way that I hoped it would turn out. And there are things that we all bear, and we address them publicly, pretty casually, but in private, it's killing us. Like, if you were just to be honest with yourself, I mean, you rose your hand because you're like, yep, I've had that, or I'm currently in it, and I'll say it, and I'll, I'll bring it in a more lighthearted way, but we know that it doesn't feel lighthearted in prayer. We know that it doesn't feel like, oh, this is as easy as I thought it would be. And I think God takes you to a moment, again, this could be days, months, years, where you get to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. Because when she came to Jesus, I love this about Jesus. He didn't answer a word. That's what it says in scripture, that he did not answer a word. And it's not because Jesus lacked compassion. It's not because Jesus didn't care. It's not because Jesus didn't want to. It's because he was testing her faith because in the waiting, you get humbled. When you come to God and there's not something you have yet, it's humbling. When you prayed for something and it didn't turn out the way that you wanted to, it's humbling. When I was in South Dakota, I prayed and I begged God that this student would come to know Jesus. He was accused of, of killing uh, his best friend. And, and I went to visit him uh, in, in prison every single week. And I asked and I begged God, God, would he come to know Jesus? God, would he come to know Jesus? God, would he come to know Jesus? And I begged and I asked and I begged and I asked. And I asked this for a year. And when I left uh, that job, I was, just, I was just so mad that he had never made a decision for Jesus. And what I love about prayer... <laughs> is that it not only plants seeds, but I think in the spiritual realm, it makes things immortal because your prayers last forever. When you pray to God, there are things that you pray for that although he hasn't answered it yet, it doesn't mean that it's not gonna come to pass. It's just that it's humbling and you keep on doing the things and waiting because we don't put our faith in our expectations of what we want God to do. We put our faith in what scripture uh, says about who God and who he is. And when you have this moment, this mountaintop experience, this breakthrough, I think we all want that. 
We all want this moment with God, and I think we often want this mountaintop journey with God, wrestling in prayer, experiencing his presence, wanting more of you, developing a deeper hunger. See, we all want this mountaintop journey, but we often give God downhill habits in prayer. Our effort maybe isn't as strong as our desire. How we keep on asking maybe isn't what we'd want it to be. And Ben, you can come on up. And as they make their way uh, to the stage, we're gonna sing this song again, Christ Be Magnified. That I think a lot of us are in different right now worlds. A lot of us are in different spots. A lot of us are in different aspects of life. And maybe you do have prayers that you're like, I want to be answered. Maybe you want more of God. Maybe you want God to do more things in you. I think that there's an invitation that God wants to offer you tonight and just saying, hey, come to me as you are because I want to change your world. I want to change your life. It's a developing and cultivating a relationship with him. And maybe right now you're, you're, you're in a spot where you're just wrestling with God and you're asking that God would do more in you and you're, and you're asking that maybe God, would you heal this person? God, would you save this person? And just because God hasn't answered you doesn't mean that he's here to bring evil on you or condemn you. See, we love to stir up all kinds of fears, all kinds of misconceptions in prayer when we don't feel like God's answering. Well, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I've sinned too much that God wouldn't want to hear me. Maybe I don't feel like God would actually want a relationship with me. Maybe prayer is just really boring at the end of the day. Maybe prayer doesn't work. And I think wherever you're at in your prayer life, wherever you're at in your prayer journey, wherever you're at in your relationship with him, I think God's offering the invitation again, hey, would you come deeper with me? I think that offer stands. So I want to pray for you. And as you worship, maybe your prayer tonight is, God, would I have a deeper hunger to abide in prayer? God, would I have a deeper hunger to know you? So God, I just thank you for this room. God, thank you for the people, God, that I've come tonight. God, I think you have them here for a reason. God, you wanted them here. They chose tonight specifically. God, maybe they haven't been here in a couple weeks. And God, tonight is the night that you wanted him here to God to learn and to cultivate what it means to go deeper in your word, to, of what it means to go deeper in your presence. And so God, right now I ask, God, you just begin to stir something in their heart that would want nothing more than you. God, that you would begin to stir things in them. God, that they would chase after everything of who you are. This is where it begins. God, you wanted it to begin here. You wanted a relationship. So God, I just pray over people that feel like they're too far gone. I pray, God, over people in this room who feel like I haven't prayed in a long time. Therefore, I don't think that this works. I don't feel like I can step back into it. God, would you remind them that there's no sin that would separate them from the love of God. There's not something, God, that would push them away from you. And God, would you do immeasurably more in this moment than maybe they would ever ask or imagine? We pray this in your name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on the question Alex challenged us with. Why am I not more desperate for God? As Justin mentioned at the start of the message, we're starting small groups next week. So you definitely want to be at C12 so you can get more information about that. And if you miss next week, just make sure to check it out on Instagram. I'm sure we'll put information there. And that's the best way to stay connected with C12 is to follow us on Instagram at C12. So hope to see you next week.